0: Can you explain girl math for Mandy?
1: Yes. Okay, Mandy. So girl math is like... Okay, I'll give you an example. I recently bought something on Amazon. I don't like it, so I'm returning it. So I'm getting $25 back. So basically, I'm $25 richer, even though I already spent $25 just coming back to me. (laughs) Girl math is also... I bought Taylor Swift tickets for next November. I've already paid for them. By the time the concert happens, I'll be like, oh, the tickets were free. I bought them so long ago, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> and
0: then boy math is like, uh, seems to center around gambling. Where it's like, yeah, oh, I those. gambled $25. I made 50. I gambled 50 and lost it all. I lost $0. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Okay, well, I think i probably, I might be a, I don't know, I think I'm bold. I'm like whatever math works out for me at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to Talking Underwater.
2: One water. One podcast.
0: I'm Bob Crosson, Editorial Director of the Endeavor Business Media Water Group.
2: I'm Mandy Crispin, Editor-in-Chief
1: of Waterworld. And I'm Katie Johns, Editor-in-Chief of Stormwater Solutions and Water Quality Products.
0: And we have a very special episode of Talking Underwater for you today, which is for Imagine a Day Without Water. Now, the U.S. Water Alliance has been a champion for Imagine a Day Without Water for many years now, and we've covered this annually in our podcast as a day of action, as they say. So I'm going to read directly from the website to give you a little bit of context on what Imagine a Day Without Water is and why we're having this special episode. Imagine a Day Without Water is a national day of action that brings together diverse participants to highlight how water is essential, invaluable, and in need of continuous investment. For many Americans, living a day without water is an unfortunate reality, not something to be imagined. Part of the solution is sustainable, robust investment in the infrastructure and the people needed to deliver water services equitably across the country.
2: In 2019, the U.S. Water Alliance and Dig Deep identified that there are two million individuals in our country who lack access to clean and safe drinking water and sanitation services. In addition, millions more are on the verge of losing water access. Black, indigenous, and communities of color, as well as low-income communities, are the most likely to lack adequate plumbing and face other water access issues.
1: When a person doesn't have water, They cannot stay hydrated prepare meals bathe their children wash their hands flush the toilet or do laundry further communities cannot put out the wildfires that increase each year as a result of the warming climate farmers cannot water their crops and our nation's public health and safety are compromised in this episode we asked our colleagues covering business to business news and information in their respective markets to reflect on the importance of water to their audience and what a day without water would look like for a business owner in their marketplace. First up is Andy Hanasek from Food Processing.
3: I'm Andy Hanasek, Senior Editor of Food Processing Magazine and also the host of our Food for Thought podcast online. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Water in the food and beverage processing industry is obviously an ultra-important ingredient and piece of the processing operation in in almost all cases. The food and beverage processing industry, obviously food, if you think about the food you eat, there are so many different uh, products and segments of that industry but most of them use water in some way, shape, or form to either make their products or run equipment or clean the facilities. It's a crucial, crucial resource for the food and beverage industry. And, you know, without water, the uh, plants simply would not be able to run at the food safety standards that we need to ensure a a safe food supply sanitation depends on water so building off of that you know a day without water i mean i think it means that we have a day without food processing to be honest with you if you take away a plant's access to fresh water you are putting that plant in significant jeopardy of even opening that day. Frankly, you know, again, too, going back to the ingredients situation, for so many of these products, water is a necessity to even make the products that they are creating in the plants. So, a day without water or losing water as a resource would be just a a nightmare for any of these facilities.
0: So what I found really interesting about what Andy had to say is that he touches on probably one of the biggest day without water problems that could occur among all of our guests today, which is food processing because of how essential food is to the human experience it's similarly as essential as water basically water being a little bit more essential because you can't live as long without it but enough days without food production would be absolutely devastating for society and i think it was kind of alarming for me to actually think about the knock-on effect of that of all right cool we no longer have food processing what does that mean for our food options on a day-to-day basis and what type of society would we be living in if we didn't have the water to create the food that we use every single day to feed the millions of people in this country? So I thought it was really fascinating to think about that.
1: Yeah, I did too. And, and a couple of things I noted when I was listening to what Andy had to say was that it water isn't just needed to make the product. It's not needed to just make food, right? It's needed to run the equipment to do so. So it's so layered in the importance of what water is. He used the word nightmare, right? If water (laughs) wasn't there, it would be a nightmare to get food processing done. Um, And and he also touches on in what our next speaker, Joe, from the aviation group said, is that simply without water, the food processing wouldn't be able to be completed.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Joe Petrie, editorial director for the Endeavor Aviation Group. Waters is an essential resource for the airport industry, playing various roles in different aspects of airport operations. For example, we cut starts off with aircraft washing to de icing to ground operations, runway taxiway and cleaning, firefighting, landscape irrigation, cooling systems, terminal and facility operations. After all, you wouldn't have bathrooms without that, and bathrooms are the most important part of any passenger's journey across the airport. And, of course, water and the HVAC systems. Frankly put, without water, there would be no airport operations. There would be no aviation. That's how critical this resource is, that it's not just something that affects what we see on the ground, but also what goes into the sky.
2: The thing I thought was interesting about what Joe talks about is how everything at the airport depends on water, just like your, just like in your home, it, it doesn't run without water at all.
1: Yeah, which I mean, he talked about a lot of things the water is used for, from deicing to you know the planes function. But he touched on how important bathrooms are when traveling, and just like in your home, they're also very important, and you need water for those. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I think too, when I think about aviation, it's kind of. You think about it as a field that's hobbyist or consumerist because it's about travel right. and things like that. But there is a lot of cargo that is shipped via planes and whatnot. And the thought of those shipments being delayed or like grounded essentially could have this, as I was saying with the food processing side a knock-on effect where now suddenly these critical deliveries can't be made think about medicine not getting to the right people in the time that they need it because there's not enough water to do the jobs that are required to get the plane off the ground that's scary (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting way to think about just how quickly things spiral out of control when water doesn't exist for a particular business venture
1: joe had a lot of uh similar thoughts that peter from our firehouse group also did when it comes to fires which you know might seem a little bit obvious you need water to put out fires but peter uh very nicely kind of goes through the history of that with us so here's here's peter's thought here are peter's thoughts
4: hi i'm peter matthews editor-in-chief of firehouse magazine Water is what makes the fire service able to complete their mission day in and day out. Before fire departments were organized to fight fires, residents stored buckets in their homes to establish bucket brigades that would then move water from a central source, such as a well or a pond, to a burning structure. When fire departments were established under Benjamin Franklin here in the United States, they too used buckets to haul water to fires that threatened to destroy block by block of communities across the country. As innovation came about, Bucket brigades no longer threw water on fires, they now dumped it into manual pumps that would more accurately apply the water to fires. And then fire hydrants came too, allowing fire trucks to hook up and have an often endless supply of water to battle a major fire or even a minor fire. In the 1960s and 1970s, firefighters started carrying water tanks on their fire trucks to allow for a more rapid fire attack, allowing them to have one to two minutes of water to suppress a fire before a fire truck was hooked up to a pump, which could often be a minutes long process. A day without water for firefighters could be tragic, and it happens time and time again. Going back to the 1906 earthquake in San Francisco, the shifting earth broke the majority of the city's mains, allowing dozens of fires to free burn until water could be brought in from other areas of the city where it could be to apply to the fires to then stop multiple blocks of the city from burning down. On September 11th, much of the city's infrastructure around the World Trade Center site was damaged by the collapsing buildings, which meant fireboats were the only way to get water to firefighters as they were trying to battle several fires in multi-story buildings. Those fires burned freely until thousands of feet of hose were laid from the fireboats in the Hudson and East Rivers to help make up for the failed water mains that day. Recently here in Texas, where I reside, a winter storm led to freezing and thawing of water mains, which meant that... Water had to be carried to scenes here in an urban city uh, until the city thawed out. Unfortunately, once the thawing happened, a whole new problem occurred where dozens of buildings suffered broken pipes from water prompting hundreds of water leak calls over several days damaging dozens of buildings. That also prompted the response of fire departments to then try to protect and limit the damage to property. Nowadays, fire trucks carry anywhere from 100 gallons to 3000 gallons, sometimes even more to fire scenes. During wildfires, helicopters and planes can also haul water from fill sites or bodies of water miles deep into the brush to stop the blaze before it destroys a national treasure or even spreads into a community nearby. Fire departments have to work hand in hand with their local water companies to ensure that the water that's being run off from a fire scene or even a hazardous materials incident is tracked before it goes into the municipal water system so it could be cleaned properly as necessary. Without water, firefighters would not be able to contain the fires before they destroy our homes, our businesses, or even
0: take our lives. So like Katie was saying, it, it does kind of follow in Joe's footsteps here to reinforce the importance of safety and fire suppression. So while technology does exist to fight fires without water, Water really seems to be the most superior fire protection technology that has existed for centuries. I found it really cool to hear the history of firefighting across uh, numerous decades there, dating all the way back to the early 1900s and just how important water has been to some of these most critical disasters that we've had to overcome as a society and I thought that was a really interesting walk through time to see just how important water has been to the firefighting field for many, many years now.
1: Yeah, I agree. And a couple of things I wrote down were one, that hi- historical note with, with from the bucket begra- bucket brigades to, you know, the importance of water when it came to 9-11 and recovery efforts. Um, and like mm-hmm. Peter said, without water, a lot of events could be even more tragic than they already were, um, which I think is very uh, important to note, especially on Imagine a day without
2: water. And next we're talking to Tracy Purdom. She notes that water demand will increase by 400% by 2050, 400% by 2050, say that again. Um, A day without water shows uh, how we take water for granted, even when water scarcity and uh, lack of access is top of mind for most of us, we still take it for granted.
5: Hello, I'm Tracy Purdom, Editor-in-Chief of Chemical Processing and host of two podcasts, Distilled and Process Safety with Trish and Tracy. Thanks for asking me to participate. The chemical industry is one of the largest water consumers, and I I read a statistic that water demand is expected to increase by 400% by 2050 for the manufacturing industry in general. Specifically in chemical plants, water serves a wide variety of roles, everything from a vehicle to dilute or transport materials as a means to clean equipment, to generate steam, which is essential for electricity generation and various heating processes. Water is also sometimes used as a reactant. The most water intensive and demanding operation is cooling processes. As a result, many plants must treat their water and wastewater before releasing water back into the environment or to the local municipalities. I think there's an assumption that there will always be plenty of fresh water to meet business needs, but I think our industry actively thinks about what a day without water would look like more often than not. Many chemical companies treat water conservation as an imperative in their sustainability efforts, But accounting for water can be even tougher than accounting for carbon. The amount of water used to make a product can vary significantly depending on where a plant is located and the process it uses. Water is different from carbon, however, because sustainable alternatives to carbon do exist. For water, there is no substitute. Without water, facilities would have to shut down or face risks because many chemical processes require water for safety measures, cooling, fire suppression, dilution in case of chemical spills or accidents. Some chemical processes involve the use of water as a reactant or a solvent. A lack of water can inhibit or prevent these reactions from occurring. Without water, emissions control measures may be less effective, potentially leading to environmental compliance issues. The bottom line, how efficiently and sustainably a chemical company uses water will dictate whether it sinks or swims economically.
1: So Tracy hit on a lot of safety aspects and fire aspects, which kind of ties back to who we previously heard from Peter and the firehouse group. Um, But Tracy talked a lot about, you know, the importance of water when it comes to many different facets of chemical processing and touch on what the others did, which was, you know, how vital water is, is to keeping these industries going.
0: Yeah, the thing that really struck me from what she was saying was how two critical parts of the chemical manufacturing industry, carbon and water, are very often considered as really vital and important. So they actually think about a day without carbon or a day without water more often probably than other industries. But what she noted was that there's alternatives for carbon that do exist, and there is no alternative for water for the processes that they're doing. And what I really liked is how she went into some of the technical detail on just how important water is to some of the chemical reactions that are critical or important to the actual manufacturing process. So all the way down to these very finite chemical reactions and just how important they are even for solvents that are needed to produce those chemicals that these businesses make their make their money and their revenue on. And from there, I guess we'll end with Andrew Johnston. He is a dental hygienist from A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast, and he talks a little bit about the importance for water to dental and teeth health.
6: Hello, my name is Andrew Johnston. I have been a dental hygienist for about 15 years and I am the host of the dental hygiene podcast called A Tale of Two Hygienists. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So for us in dentistry, water is incredibly important. I think it starts with the hydration of the body. When patients are dehydrated, they lack the proper salivary flow and function. I think many people know about the importance of low sugar, low carbs to prevent dental cavities, but maybe one thing that people aren't super aware of is that proper hydration allows our bodies to buffer the acids that are created by the interaction of certain foods and bacteria. They get together, they create the acids, which creates the hole in the tooth. This is a key part of prevention, is staying hydrated. We see in our aging population, xerostomia, which is commonly referred to as dry mouth, as a leading cause of pain and decay for that population. From a consumer products perspective, water is a main component to just about everything that we have, toothpaste, mouth rinses, etc. and we are always recommending these things to our patients. I can tell you that dental offices couldn't survive without clean and plentiful water. There there is no day in our profession where we can practice without it. We wash our hands with it between all of our patients and sometimes mid-procedure. We use distilled water for sterilizing our instruments. We rinse debris from the mouth during hygiene and dental procedures. Water cools down the dental drill so that it doesn't get too hot and kill the nerve that's inside your tooth. As a hygienist, you might know that I use a tool sometimes called an ultrasonic instrument. It's the one that has that high-pitched noise, lots of vibration. And lots and lots of water. Not only is that water cooling down that tip, but it also flushes out the pocket that has debris, plaque, tartar, and bacteria. A really cool thing about that tool, also because of the water, it is able to kill bacteria through lysing the cell walls. And I don't really know how to explain what lysis is, but if you can just imagine a bacteria that has a wall around it, lysing it will break or rupture that protective wall that the bacteria has, which allows us to control periodontal disease much more efficiently. And probably another little known fact, when doctors are placing white fillings and they use a little bit of air to remove water droplets, generally they are taught that just a light puff of air is all that's needed. They do not wanna desiccate that middle layer of your tooth that's called dentin. If they do, then there is a much higher chance that your filling will fail and also fail much faster. So is water important for dentistry? No, it's essential.
2: Did you guys know that uh, staying hydrated helps your teeth? This is not something I'd thought about before. Um, so it's it's everything from the obvious. Uh, so when they're they're drilling on your teeth at the dentist, how they cool down the drill and make sure that you're you know it's not eroding your teeth, just cleaning them, um, all the way to your inter- the internal health of your teeth. So.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. I didn't realize just how important hydration was to dental health at all. And to hear him talk about that, I think that's that's high in to what Tracy was saying, too, about the importance of water to certain chemical um, reactions is really – I found that very, very cool and interesting to hear. And it they both kind of tie in together with that idea that water is kind of essential to these – chemical reactions that we take for granted probably on a day-to-day basis and um, he made it a good point. I'm glad that he used the word essential even.
1: Yeah and one of the the notes I made when when Andrew was speaking is obviously you know we know that water is used to brush our teeth. It's used to at the dentist office all the time when you're going for teeth cleaning but the fact that How vital water is to controlling disease is what he touched on, which really struck me is, again, like we said before, the necessity of water is so layered, um, but it really it helps control disease and keep us healthy and protect us from from tragedies is tying it back to what Peter said. Um, So I thought Mm -hmm. that all of these speakers kind of really tied into how essential and necessary water is.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the focus has been on water for safety or water for processing and things like that, and not as much has been paid to the sanitation aspect as much as it was with what Andrew had to say. And I think that's another important thing to note is that water is really important to just general sanitation. When you think about the COVID pandemic and how important water was to making sure that we could wash our hands to make sure that we could you know, reduce the pandemic's spread as much as possible. I think we all know from our day-to-day work just kind of how vital water is to the foundation of our human existence, but these types of nuances are something that we don't always hear, and I think that it was great to hear from all these different perspectives to inform the way that we look at water beyond simply the day-to-day of municipal treatment and uh, distribution.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, I think that Tracy really hit the nail on the head. She said that there's this assumption that there is always going to be water. There's always going to be water for us mm-hmm. to use, and that is just simply not true. We're already seeing it, as Mandy, we read in the intro, in, in these low-income communities, um, that, that we can't just operate under that assumption for forever, um, which is why I think days like Imagine Day Without Water are so important.
2: Yeah, it's not just about, um, you know, you can try to live without water within your home for a day and, and see how miserable you are, um, but <laughs> but uh, in terms of industry and, and how it actually makes the world go round, um, I think this, this sheds a lot of light on that.
0: Yeah, it goes so much further. I have I, talked about before my experience of having a pipe burst in mm-hmm. my home when I was a uh, reporter in my early career and just how much I realized I used water on a day-to-day basis. I had not really considered the importance of it and the value that it played in my day-to-day life. I, and I always told people, I couldn't even make Easy Mac in the microwave because you need water for it. Yeah. And that's like a type of thing that really opened my eyes, I think, to the importance and value of water in my early career, before I even did any reporting or coverage of the water market. And so I think back to that a lot on Imagine a Day Without Water because it, it helps give me that direct, first hand perspective and remind me just how important it is w- what we do uh, in this industry.
2: Yeah. If you open your eyes and look, you, you'll see that water is is literally everywhere, it's used in every, sing- every <laughs> single industry. So. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's used to
1: make the world go round, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm really looking forward to doing this. I want to do this again next year. I want to p- pick the brains of a couple of our other colleagues and learn about some other markets. So if you're listening to this and you found these little clips interesting and you want to learn more about some other markets, let us know the some of the business ventures that you would be interested in hearing from because Endeavor Business Media has a lot of different brands covering, I think it's 16 different business verticals now. So If you want a coverage area, we probably have an editor who can speak to it, and it would be really great to bring in the folks that you want to hear. So if if you're listening, please reach out to us. We'd love to learn more from what you would like to hear for our next episode next year on this. And with that, we will go to our housekeeping. First and foremost, I, I would like to let you know about our webinar about PFAS across the water sector. It is now on demand on our website. You can visit wwdmag.com webinar to find it there, and you can watch it on demand. Just fill out the form and enter in. Uh, we have speakers from... CDM Smith, SCS engineers, and Corollo engineers speaking about the impact of PFAS on drinking water, wastewater, stormwater, and how to take a holistic approach to managing the family of contaminants. Now for WWD, we also have a collection systems webinar that we published a couple months ago. You can visit wwdmagcom webinars to find a link to that to register and watch at your leisure on demand. Derek Schwenke from Garver provided an overview on technologies and considerations for sewer inspection, cleaning, and rehab. I would also like to let you make sure that you visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at symbol Wastewater Digest. We're publishing a bunch of video interviews from Weftech that we were just at a couple of weeks ago. So be sure to go on there, subscribe to our channel, click the bell so you don't miss a single video.
2: For Waterworld, we have video interviews from WebTech 2023. They will be available on waterworld.com. You can subscribe to the print version of Waterworld now by clicking subscribe in the top nav on waterworld.com. It's free and the digital issue is also available online via waterworld.com. Just go to magazines in the top nav bar.
1: And similarly, Stormwater Solutions also has videos coming from WebTech and the SESWA conference that were both earlier this month. To view all of those, you can go to stormwater.com videos. Additionally, the Stormwater Solutions State of the Industry Survey is now open, and we are accepting all feedback and uh, responses. So to take the survey, visit bit.ly slash sws 23. With that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can reach us at Talking Underwater at EndeavorB2B.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUW Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.